I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, buy you furniture for your house, maybe a nice Chesterfield or an ottoman. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well I'd buy you a K car, a nice reliant automobile. And if I had a million dollars, I'd buy you. Up there and, and hang out, like open the fridge and stuff, and there always be foods laid out for us, with little pre-wrapped sausages and things. Mm. They have pre-wrapped sausages, but they don't have pre-wrapped bacon. Well, can you blame them? Oh uh, yeah. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well I'd buy you a fur coat, but not a real fur coat. That's cruel. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well I'd buy you an exotic pet, yep, like a llama or an emu. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well I'd buy you John Merrick's remains, ooh, all them crazy elephant bones. And if I had a million dollars, I'd buy you. Of course we would. We just eat more. And buy really expensive ketchups with it. That's right. All the fanciest ke Dijon ketchup. Mm -hmm. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, I'd buy you a green dress. But not a real green dress. That's cruel. And if I had a million dollars. If I well, I'd buy you some art, a Picasso or a Garfunkel. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a monkey. Haven't you always wanted a monkey? If I had a million dollars, I'd buy you. Be rich. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna do it wrong. I'm about to spit yeah, in this yeah. mic like. <laughs>
freestyle elfin, you know? Okay, okay. <clears throat> Wait, hold on. Does this make sense? <laughs> no, but who cares? All right, let's go. <clears throat> Finally, we... <laughs> You're not even gonna last. All right. Victoria's pretty good, not bad festival, fountain, just back from France, Montreal. <laughs> what the f is the script? I couldn't even. What? Victoria's pretty good, not bad festival, fountain, okay, just wait. back from France. What are you even saying here? Oh, you're trying to say these are the things featured oh, yeah, yeah, in this one. You should probably specify on. that, because even a elf couldn't understand that, okay? Think you can do better than an elf? At CITR, we want to have a variety of voices on the air. Want to write scripts? Do some voice acting? Broadcast your creativity? Volunteer with the CITR production department. No experience? We can also train you in everything required. Send an email to psas at citr.ca to learn more. And don't wait to get your voice on the air. <laughs> Your cell phone already has an FM receiver chip installed in it, but major Canadian telecommunication and mobile companies have blocked access to this free system to listen to the radio in favor of charging for data streaming. With access to the FM chip, your phone can still receive broadcasts and updates during an emergency, even if the cell towers are down. Visit freeradioonmyphone.ca to see how you can get involved by contacting your carrier and signing our petition. on CITR 101.9 FM with Dama and Dora. Um, we are broadcasting live from unceded Musqueam and Coast Salish territory here on the UBC campus in Vancouver, BC. Um, we just want to acknowledge that. The Real World is the UBC Film Society's radio show and we try to connect with other clubs and campus organizations through film. Today, we're gonna be talking about 80s films. No particular reason, we just thought it would be fun. Yeah, they're so, cool. Yeah, so we're gonna be like focusing around two like genres, I guess, fun, quote-unquote, and serious, quote-unquote. And these are categories, like, created by myself and Dama, so, like... We think they're fun, and we think they're serious, so... Feel free to disagree. Yeah, that's fine. We also have two guests with us today. Would you like to introduce yourselves, guests? I am Michael. I'm Dominic. Cool. They're both, like, volunteers at the Film Society and involved in productions, and it's really fun, and I'm, we're all glad they're here. Yeah, we're so excited. This is very invigorating. <laughs> Um, can I talk a little bit about productions? Of course you can. the department is? Okay. Um, so I, although, sadly, I'm the chairperson this year. Ew. I know. Um, I was the productions manager last year, um, and I kind of, this is my baby program. <laughs> and it's, like, basically just about, like, creating the opportunity for students, um, not, like, already involved in film production to just have access to that, like, world. And so we teach people every step of the process of producing a film and then produce two short films, which is really cool. Which is all like written and produced and done everything by the students that are going to the workshops. Yeah. So it's really cool. It's all student content. And you get to learn things without actually committing your whole career to it. So that's fun. Boom. You're welcome, UBC. <laughs> um, I know Michael is involved in that. Do you want to like talk about a little bit about like yourself slash your production aspirations? Uh, I Well, I, kinda, I love film. I love film and... Um, I would, wouldn't mind getting a career in that. And I have no history in it, so it was kind of cool when I heard about the Film Society that, that they actually do stuff in film. They, they actually have workshops. That was really cool because I like to write. 
so at UBC I've done a lot of the creative writing, a lot of creative writing programs or screenwriting. And so I thought, okay, that'd be kind of a cool way to, to learn more about it. And then not only that, they brought up that we can possibly make the, what you write. So that was kind of cool. And yesterday we had our the production thing, which was really cool, and seeing how how shots were are used in films, and like with the Dark Knight, and how Christopher Nolan used like it was a mind games. It's weird. Yeah. Film is weird. Film is so like mentally manipulative. Yeah, we actually have Jackson uh, running the productions this year, oh, and yeah. he is a film production student, so he knows a lot about this stuff. So you're learning from people that know things. Yeah, he's much more qualified than me <laughs> to teach people about this, which I'm like pretty stoked on. So yeah, just Productions is happening. It's a lot of fun. So many people are coming. Which I know. Is so exciting. It's ludicrous. Yesterday I had to go get more chairs, <laughs> which was that, that was overwhelming. Yeah, and I think there was like two, one or two. There were like four people on Tuesday. Yeah, so um, we were a little um, jarred, but we we rolled with it and it was really fun. Um, and yeah, so that's Productions. That's like a thing that we do. Yeah. Um, but 80s movies, we're on it, we're doing it, we're talking about it. Are we doing fun or serious first? Um, I would love to do fun first. Okay, I'm down. Um, those genres, are those like it's are those like official genres like that like the Academy recognizes like Of course, fun and the serious? Academy of the Real World. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> Academy that matters, Dom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you not no, know? It's not it's not real genres. We just decided that we were looking through 80s movies and we're like, we want to do 80s movies. But there's a lot of things within like, 80s. Shockingly, I kind of like was just Googling like 60s, 70s, 80s, like trying to get an idea of what kind of stuff we could do on the show. And there were so many movies in the 80s that like I hadn't thought of as 80s movies, but like were 80s movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot. Um, but I watched Dirty Dancing. Oh my God. Which is one of my favorite movies for sure, which like feels kind of like a cliche. Um, it's like kind of. It's kind of problematic, I realize. Give us a little summary for those that have not watched it. Including oh. myself. I haven't watched it. <gasps> Dummy, you gotta watch it. It's so good. It's Convince so me. fun. Convince um, me to watch it. So, essentially, it's about this. Um, it's, it's, like, kind of, like, a weird, unless you, like, understand, like, what the, like, even, like, the space that they're entering is. So, it's set in this country club, um, which in the, it's set in 1963. Um, just before Kennedy was shot. And in that time period, um, these country clubs were kind of a haven for wealthy Jewish communities to go to over the summer or, like, go on vacation, um, which is, like, cool. Um, but so it's, like, a very classed, and the the people who visit there, their sons usually are, like, waiters, and then, like, they save up money to do rich people stuff um, and are kind of instructed by the the owner to like schmooze with the ladies and show them a good time um, even the dogs that's a quote and um, then there's the entertainment staff um, or kind of like the more like I don't know I don't want to say like cleaning and like dancing and like just like set up people. What I'm getting from this is that it's basically High School Musical 2. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It totally is. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah. Okay, I would argue that the High School Musical franchise is like based on classic musicals. So <laughs> one is Grease and two is Dirty Dancing. Okay, sorry. You can keep going. I, just, um, I was seeing so many similarities in my brain. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. to express it. I'm glad. Anytime HMS 2 comes up. HSM. Too, so. um, but 
so in this movie this this um wealthy family goes to this country club and the youngest daughter who is a like kind of naive and like doesn't really understand like like she's like very aware of like global issues but not very aware of like her like the weirdest she's like in her life like and like real life contemporary like her attraction to patrick swayze's hot pants (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly um and she like dances and it's dirty and um like this woman had like this woman in the service um kind of like class has is pregnant and abortions were illegal so she like gets an abortion and everyone thinks that it's scandalous i know everyone thinks that it's patrick's and baby um jennifer gray's character in the film the main character she like her dad helps them out he's a doctor and she like does this dance for them and it's like a beautiful love story about like overcoming like class and emotional and like personal barriers that like you didn't even know you had um and i cry every time i watch this movie (laughs) um it's so good (laughs) i love the passion thank you i really am like very passionate about it i think it's like one of the best movies i've ever seen it's been a while since I since I've seen it. I've never I've never thought that like deeply and intensely about like how about the the plot. I always thought it was just about Patrick Swayze rotating his hips. <laughs> That's just a bonus <laughs> to like just hypnotizing. Yeah, like a very layered um story. And I freaking love this movie. <laughs> um what did you watch, Emma? Okay, I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> Another classic. Oh, so good. Okay, so for those of you who have not watched it, I actually before talking about the actual movie, I wanted to talk about why I watched it for the first time like a few years ago. So my English teacher was talking about the 80s for no particular reason. He was like, "Guys, like 80s movies are excellent." And then no one no one was laughing at whatever reference he was making. And then we're like, okay, wait, have you, have you not watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures? Like, n- no? And then he just showed us the video clip, and he just, like, showed us so many things. And he's like, oh, it's so good. It's great. And I just went home that night and just watched it the same night. And it was just a life-changing experience. So basically, Bill and Ted are these two teenagers that are flunking their history class. And... The only way to salvage their grade and not flunk is to get an A-plus on their history report that they have to do, which is due, like, the next day. So, like, how are you going to do this since you kind of, like, suck at history, obviously? And the way they do it is, like, this time machine just appears out of the sky. And this guy called Rufus, which, like, I'm pretty sure is George Carlin, like... I'm pretty sure it's him. We can find out. Stay tuned. Okay. It's the internet. <laughs> while, while I talk about this, Dora will Google it. But Rufus, who's this, like, sci-fi Matrix-looking dude, comes out of this time machine, which is a phone booth, by the way. And he's like... Oh, did you say Matrix just because Keanu Reeves is in it? <laughs> <laughs> I think partly, but also he's wearing the trench coat and the funky glasses. Like, it's a... It's a Matrix-looking dude. Matrix is really just the sequel to Bill and Ted's. Exactly. Thank you, Dom. The third sequel. (laughs) You never knew, but that's what it was. So he comes out and he's like, I'm going to help you pass your history test uh, oral presentation thing. By the way, we just found out. It is George Carlin. I knew it. (laughs) I'm so good at recognizing George Carlin in movies. (laughs) Um, It's a talent for sure. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so, yeah, so they just go back in time and 
go to the actual historical periods of the places that they're supposed to do this um this history report on oh and by the way they like have a band and they're just like strangely eloquent for like 80s teenagers but eloquent in a really like bro way they're just always saying eloquent not eloquent excellent that word <laughs> they're always saying like excellent and bodacious imagine and how much different of a movie it would have been if they just kept saying eloquent <laughs> <laughs> it would have been awesome been transformed um but yeah, they have this band, and they're, like, always going on random, like, air guitar solos, and it's just, like, shenanigans ensue, What's and it's What's the band's great. name? I can't remember. Oh, uh, it's, like, Steel something, something. Bill and Ted's band. I can't remember. Ted It's, it's okay. I don't, I don't think it really matters. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this, it's this cool, like, metal rock But what happens band. in the movie, though? They just go around, like, the... Time sounds like they're just doing drugs. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe it's a metaphor. Maybe it's a metaphor for them just doing drugs. Who freaking knows? By the way, they're called Wild Stallions. There, yes. All with a Y, like Wild with a Y, Stallions with a Y. Wild Stallions. Oh God, it's so great. Yeah, they like go back in time. They like kidnap Napoleon, then they kidnap Socrates, <laughs> then they like fall in love with princesses in medieval times it's it's fantastic it's it's excellent <laughs> so yeah i just think it's such a fun movie like the fact okay so i had seen the matrix before i had seen bill and Ted's excellent <laughs> adventure so i had this image of keanu reeves in my head and that was completely broken. Because yeah, he actually can kind of act. Yeah, who knew? Who knew of watching The Matrix? Yeah, so Kenny Reeves is Ted. And I, I don't know what else to say about it. He's just it's so funny. It's a freaking classic. Everyone should watch it. Yeah. It's like, I think of it as a stoner movie. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that they... Do they ever smoke weed in it? No, they don't. They yeah. Don't, they it's don't kind drink. Of, it's it's don't. kind of, like, associated with that. But now that I think about it, I don't think they yeah, ever no, really do. There's no presence of drugs at any point in that movie. But it's, like, an, a stoner movie, for sure. Well, everything yeah. that happens, like, it just sounds like they're on drugs. You can associate drugs with it. Yeah, too. so maybe, maybe they're on drugs, maybe they're not. It's definitely something that people think that they're on drugs and that's um, all that matters <laughs> um did you do you guys have any 80s movies that you want to talk about michael or dom uh i i mean yeah sure i mean the 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 the, the obvious one is is the classic well i mean there there are two empire strikes back and return of the jedi okay obviously like that's the first thing that popped in my mind mm. totally like it's empire is one of the best sci-fi movies ever. Give us a brief summary for the people that don't Of Star Wars? <laughs> you never know. Just like, maybe first of all say... you never seen Star Wars? Okay, I get yelled at for that all the time. Of course you do, because it's a travesty. Okay, you don't need to give us a brief summary of Star okay. Wars, but no, maybe people didn't know that Empire Strikes Back is from Star okay, Wars. Okay, well, yes, Empire, for those who don't know, the original Star Wars, A New Hope, came out in, like, 1977, I think. Yeah. Mm. And so the sequel, 1980, is The Empire Strikes Back. And the third in the trilogy, in 83, I think, is Return of the Jedi. And, cool. I mean, I mean, we all know, well, I mean, Dora. Not, not Dora. But, I mean, Empire has the greatest twist. One of the, the, the biggest, most well-known twists in all of in all of cinema. Dun, dun, dun. I don't want to spoil it. For Wait, is it? <laughs> 
Is it the Va- Vader? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so even Dora knows. Yeah. Okay. Just, well, like, see, like that's even aware. that's how big and well known of a thing it is that even people who have never seen Star Wars understand the big twist. Mm. And also, it's just a, it's an awesome movie. Like yeah. the 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 re- the reveal at the end and the the battle on Hoth, like the snow planet. It's just a great movie. Snow Planet's a classic. Bo- uh, J- uh, Boba Fett is great. <laughs> okay. He's awesome. I think Boba Fett is overrated. Every- yeah, you know what? A lot of people think that, but... But I disagree. Why? <laughs> I just... He doesn't really do that he much. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything. Like, but he just looks cool. The coolest character design in, That's like, the thing. Like, I don't think that character design yeah. makes a character. But that's important. <laughs> but he just yeah, looks so cool. You have so a cool, cool character and you, the, the audience is like, oh, that, that's a cool guy. But he doesn't do um, This is like a lovely segue into a topic that I want to talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to play a couple songs. And uh, Can I just say, uh, we before the show started, we were listening to If I Had a Million Dollars by the yes. Bare Naked Ladies. We forgot to say that, but um, I remember now. Yeah. That's all that matters. Um, if you haven't heard it, it's a classic. You should listen to it. Get on it. <laughs> um, so right now we're going to listen to Times a Billin, Billion by Rec Center and then uh, Moon Queen by... Nouveau cliche. Um, so get ready for that. We had a good run. We stayed up late, but now the night's done. Now we're mind, at least we had fun. But I don't see the point now anymore. And I kissed you a billion times. It turned my lips blue.
MRG Contest presents Flock of Dimes this Friday, October 21st at the Cobalt. Show begins at 7 p.m. Touring in support of the new album, If You See Me, Say Yes, on Prestige Records, Jen Wassner of Y Oak explores the atmospheric side of pop with Flock of Dimes. Find tickets online at mrgconcerts.com. This October 21st, Flock of Dimes at the Cobalt. East Van Gogos are pleased to announce a benefit concert and brunch Sunday, November 6th at the Trout Lake Community Center. Proceeds benefit the Grandmothers to Grandmothers Project of the Stephen Lewis Foundation, supporting African grandmothers who are raising children orphaned by AIDS. The event combines delicious home cooking and soul-stirring live performances from Illiterati. Seating is limited, so reserve a ticket now by emailing eastvangogos at gmail.com. Where are you from? Hi, and welcome to back to the real world on CITR 101.9 FM. Um, just want to acknowledge that we are broadcasting live from unceded Musqueam and Coast Salish territory here on UBC campus. So we just finished talking about some fun 80s movies and just, yeah, we had a lot of fun talking about it. <laughs> fun isn't an actual cinematographic uh category but if it's <laughs> if we have fun watching it it's a fun 80s movie and if you understand it then that's, that's all we that's need. what matters so yeah actually we just had a new guest joining us today nat would you like to introduce yourself hello i'm nat <laughs> <laughs> she's our friend so she's just gonna be commenting whenever she feels like it and it's gonna be fun yeah so, just like the movies we watched <laughs> yeah so just uh, like keeping on with the last of the things we were talking about dora had something she wanted to say about the 80s in general yeah um which i think is like a pretty good segue um because we were talking about fun and then we're gonna be talking about serious um but i was kind of like just researching like what we could do be doing our show on um and i was thinking of doing like the 60s 70s 80s just like as like a time period that we could like talk about on the show and i came across the 80s that like and so many movies i like i was like i've never seen an 80s movies like it wasn't really something that i like I could think of a movie that was like an 80s movie and just like a quick google search was like oh like every movie is an 80s movie like like breakfast club ferris bueller's goonies et stand by me back to the future um bill and ted's excellent, excellent adventure, adventure dirty dancing footloose like they're all from the 80s and i think and the biggest difference i think between the 80s and the 70s was or is that the 80s kind of, like, was the time, because it was also the time, like, the, like, Breakfast Club, 16 Candles kind of, like, crew were making movies. And, like, there's a huge, like, shift, in my opinion. Um, Y'all are welcome to, like, disagree. Um, But, like, a pretty big shift um, from kind of, like, film as, like, a very high kind of art space. Um, I mean, like, obviously not all film is, like, high art but, um, like, where they were making more, like, serious movies or, um, like, critically acclaimed or critical movies just in general. And then, like, in the 80s, someone realized, like, oh, like, these movies can be, like, fun and garbage. Like, they do not need to be, um, like, something that, like, you can only, you have to, like, prepare yourself. Like, it can be a, a, a method for someone to um, just relax and, like, watch a film. 
I feel like you can see that so much in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, just because, like, it seems to be making fun of the whole time mm-hmm. period. Everything is so over the top, just the way the two guys talk, the way they dress. Like, when you go into the future and you see this, like, panel of people that are talking about Bill and Ted, like, they all just look so outlandish. So I think, like, I definitely see that whole, like, ooh, letting loose and showing all this, like fun stuff rather than all the serious stuff like i just did a quick google search for 70s movies and the first ones that pop up are all like serious things like clockwork orange one flew over the cuckoo's nest Intense. like Annie Hall. these are all like serious quote-unquote serious like they're not super serious but they're not they're not bill and ted's excellent adventure and so ferris bueller's day off like ferris bueller's day off was such a huge movie and like it was so fun <laughs> i very much agree i was gonna bring that film up Cool. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? Talk a little about a little bit about it. Well, I mean, I always, as a kid, dreamed of doing exactly what he did, <laughs> but Me obviously, uh, my parents <laughs> got in the way of that, and I was clearly not as witty and smart as he is. <gasps> I doubt it. <laughs> and I don't have a a friend with a Ferrari and a nice house and live in Chicago. Ugh. Terrible. So many obstacles. Uh, Canada. <laughs> Canada's just not great to be Ferris Bueller, I guess. Yeah. No. But yeah, definitely, like, I feel like Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, like, this kind of, like, it's not it's not a revolutionary movie, but it got, it's one of the first movies that I can think of that are, like, meta. I've, I've never seen someone breaking the fourth wall in an older movie before, or at least up until I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Maybe it happened before, and I just haven't watched the ones from before. But the whole, like, talking directly to the audience, I think, is pretty cool, especially because uh, I guess the target audience would be younger people, like the ones that want to do the same thing that he did. Yeah, and I think that that is, like, pretty relevant in, or, like, prevalent in the 80s, um, that young people were all of a sudden people you could market to and like all of a sudden like they will they are people who will pay money to see these films well yeah what i'm noticing like when i first started looking through like these lists was like this the 80s was a time where a lot of big like big franchises that we know like are huge now started like indiana jones uh back to the future terminator gremlins like all all those stuff went on to have God knows how many sequels, like <laughs> Terminator's still going on, and Star Wars and Indiana Jones and stuff. Never ends. Never. <laughs> Die Hard is another one. Yeah, so many, so many sequels, so many franchises. So yeah, like it's interesting to see this like connection that we can observe just by looking through a list of movies. Like, yeah, it's interesting. It's cool, and it's. A, I think it was a good point to make. Like, Thank you. Um, but. I think it's a good segue because, like, there were serious movies. Like, ser- I'm using the term serious, um, like, pretty loosely um, just because all art is serious. <laughs> but, um, like, more, like, critically acclaimed films. Like, a lot of really good ones came out. Like, Blade Runner freaking came out. I don't like Blade Runner. Uh, what? How? It's boring. Like I disagree. I very much disagree. Okay, tell me tell me why you like Blade Runner. Like please explain to me why. Number one, just the cinematography in general. It's so well shot. The lighting is gorgeous. And Harrison Ford's also just awesome. This is the decade of Harrison Ford too. Oh yeah, definitely. That's that's one thing for sure. Okay. I didn't 
I don't have anything against the cinematography. Like, I, I can appreciate a, uh, a film's, like, beauty visually without liking the actual plot. The, the plot drags on, but, like, it's just the world itself is what keeps, at least me, like, so... In, like... I genuinely, genuinely do not get what happened in that movie. I don't know how it ended. I watched it. I watched all of it, and I watched the director's one that has, like, the explanations in it, oh. hoping to actually understand. I, I still don't get it. I don't understand what happens in the end. I don't understand what it's what the point of that movie is. I just... It's boring. I couldn't. I, I found it hard to. Boring sift is through. such a bad descriptive word. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I disagree. What I think is like pretty cool about Blade Runner, um, and which I think is like can be generalized to eighties movies in general, is that like, I don't know. Like, I thought I enjoyed it just because I it was like very serious, um, but it was also like kind of kooky. Like, it was like a very like whack like. Kooky is too, maybe too, like, light of a word, um, but it was, like, very strange. And I think that, like, in the 80s, they definitely, like, kind of were very comfortable um, with, like, playing with, like, fun v. serious and, like, meshing them together. Um, and I think Blade Runner, like, and, like, not even, like, it's not fun, I wouldn't say, um, but it, it is, like, kind of, like, very weird and, like, which, but like also serious. I tried really hard to like this movie. <laughs> I really, really, there's, I do this a lot. I really try to get myself to like movies sometimes, but I just couldn't get behind Blade Runner. Like, I understand why people like it. I just, the whole thing, like, oh, it's a serious movie. I felt like it was trying so hard to be this serious, but also sci fi and like. Yeah, weird. but a, lo a lot of 80s movies kind of feel like that. A lot yeah. of 80s movies feel very silly despite like how much they try to be serious like it's just like you can tell how much they're trying and like it just doesn't so, yeah, I think the way. I think that's the main thing that I really didn't like I felt like they were just trying so hard to make this a classic and then it's like oh I guess it is now I don't know <laughs> um what serious movie did did you watch I watched Full Metal Jacket by Stanley Kubrick wonderful I really that's liked this movie I do have like a few comments about it though like I feel like the movie can really be split into two very distinct parts. There's the oh, Full Metal Jacket is about like Vietnam essentially, and the first half focuses on training the like the Marines that are going to be going to Vietnam, and the other the rest of it focuses on the actual war, specifically following uh, one like combat correspondent who's basically just a journalist called Joker, or they call him Joker. So the whole first half is just, like, this drill sergeant beating on these poor young men, like, <laughs> you're garbage, I hate you. And there's one specific soldier guy that gets beat on a lot because he's, like, he's kind of fat and he's, like, lazy and he doesn't, he isn't super into it. So he just, like, gets bullied by this drill sergeant consistently and every time he does something wrong, everyone else gets punished. So everyone else hates him, too. And I'm not going to spoil what happens because it's like, whoa, amazing what, like, goes from one part to the other. But this, like, guy is deeply troubled but it turns out he's really good with a rifle. So it's like, ooh, what's going to happen with this guy? And then eventually we just start focusing in on the actual war. 
and we just like follow Joker. At first, we just see like a lot of what was actually happening in Vietnam. You get to see like the soldiers that were only there because they they're killing machines and they love killing people. But then there's some that are like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like I just ended up here, and I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. I think the the training part was like super interesting. And Dom was talking to me uh, earlier about how that's his favorite part, but what is strange to me about that is that it feels like the training is supposed to be setting up for the rest of the movie but it's like 40 minutes of exposition it's just so long building up to like the rest of it which is that's kind of the point though yeah it's supposed to, it's supposed to be really tense and like make you kind of uncomfortable that's what kubrick was really good at mm. was really just make building the sense of dread in you that's why the shining is like such a successful horror movie is because just the sense of dread that Kubrick can make you feel and just like the way he just draws things out for way too long mm. okay that actually makes a lot of sense to me because I was just like when is this going to end the whole time so that makes a lot of sense also I think because uh, when, I, when I, I'm taking an American history class we talk about Vietnam think about like in training like what the point of training is is to get the soldiers like on the page of like fighting the war and so I think what the whole point of that was, you have like this long part where it's like they're brainwashing, they're, they're killing machines and all that stuff. And then you go into Vietnam and then it's just kind of a mess and like things yeah. are completely different from like, like all, it all of a sudden just goes off and that kind of just shows exactly like what the Vietnam War was. Yeah, I think that like a big part of it was like a commentary on the Viet, like his ideas on and his opinions on the Vietnam War. Um, and like and society it, at that time's opinion on it too. yeah um and like the first part like it is like a pretty like it's like i mean it's tense and like very intense um but it like it's kind of like sheltered within this like this is the training portion and like it's gross and mean and whatever but like when you get in it like you don't even know like you have no idea what's gonna happen I, I love it because that really comes across in a lot of the cin cinematography and, like, lighting and stuff. Like, the first half of the movie during the training, it's all shot, like, a lot of the shots are very symmetrical, very, oh, yeah. very lined up. Like, you know, there's a lot of shots. It's all almost all contained in, like, just this one single room or, like, maybe one or two other rooms. But it's all contained within, like, this completely white, drawl, like, just kind of boring bedroom. And... Like, the shots are very symmetrical, everyone's in a straight line, and it builds on that, like, kind of tense feeling. But then, in the second half, like we're talking about, you know, suddenly the colors get a lot brighter, and there's almost no organization or order to any of the shots. It's just chaos. Yeah, I think that's exactly something I actually noticed. Like, after going to Jackson's production workshop, I started looking at how mm. things are framed. And then I was, like, noticing the, char the, the character in focus in the first half is always exactly in the middle of the screen. And you always have, like Dom said, just complete symmetry throughout the, the frame. Uh, and that does break down in the second half. So I think that's, like, a really clever use of framing and cinematography to kind of show the different stages. Like, sure, you're trying to make this war be super, like, strict and, like, very clean. This is what's going to happen. But once you get there, the actual things you're doing are so complicated. It's the complete opposite. Yeah. So I thought that was super interesting for you to bring up. Uh, you also brought up The Shining. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, if we're going to be on Kubrick... Um, and serious movies. Do it. Dora just shot up, like... Stanley Kubrick did The Shining? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Shelley Duvall, amazing. I love I love Jack Nicholson. He's my favorite. Jack Nicholson is great. He's my like, Jack Nicholson is one, one of my favorite actors of all time. time. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Cooper plays a lot with um, like eliminating things from the shots, like from the beginning of the movie to the middle of the movie to the end. There's like little subtle like symbolic changes. Um, I can't really get into the details of those because there's like all these fan theories and like uh, you know. Uh, theories just about the symbols of the movie, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm, Why do you like it so much? Like, um, what about it is, makes you be like, this is fantastic. Well, I love the music. Um, if I'm, I'm just getting technical about it, I just I love the music, and um, it's not it's not a typical like uh, gory horror movie. It's it's like psychological. It's we're getting into Jack's head, um, and just watching him go insane is one of my favorite parts or well, the best part about the movie and freaky jack nicholson just does it so well there's one thing jack nicholson does the best it's playing crazy mm. yeah. Oh, yeah slow crazy <laughs> one thing i really loved about the movie like I, I i'm not a fan of the shining i don't i don't dislike it i'm just like of the kubrick movies i like other ones better but I, what, one thing I love about The Shining is all the shots with the tricycle, like, down the hallway. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is that, that's, such an iconic... It's a, it, that's a quintessential kind of, like, Kubrick kind of framing. That's yeah. exactly what we were talking about with Full Metal Jacket. And, like, Following yeah, it, it exactly. completely, that really shows it. And he does the same in 2001 a lot, which is, you know, yeah. decades back. So I'm not gonna But, yeah, I definitely, that. I love that shot, even though I'm, like... I'm not a super super fan of the movie. That's like one thing that has stuck with me whenever oh, yeah. I think of Kubrick movies. Just like perfect symmetry, even yeah. with like super moving shots and like just the actual sound of the tricycle going to and those two called? girls. What is it called? Like yeah. when it's zooming out of the like panning out. Um, there's so many shots of like something really intense happening, and then it, the camera is like mm-hmm. contextualizing it. Yeah, I guess so. Cool. So that's a really cool thing, too. Sorry, you were saying something. I was just saying the image that stuck in my head is actually on my computer is those two girls. The two oh, little girls. I Come scary. play with us. Scary. They're supposed to be twins, right? That single image has ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a twin, and everyone is like, oh, like, are you guys like the Shining Girls? Oh, and no. I'm like, no, <laughs> we are not. Well, I mean, that, that, just, that just goes to prove, like, how iconic and, like, um yeah iconic of a movie the shine is like that is just one of the uh, almost like probably 10 like images that every almost everyone knows and everyone can associate with the shining and they've been parodied and you know um satired so many times in like you know tv shows like simpsons and family guy and stuff like that you know you have the, the twins the blood elevator like all all that kind of stuff. It's so, so many, many iconic. I think bits. I think The Simpsons does a really really amazing job of like, inc- like incorporating like huge car- cultural reference points. And I think like w- in eighties movies as well. Like they seem to like really dig because I think because like the movies are so kind of like they create iconic 
just the time period and like how wacky and like big they kind of are um kind of like the 80s themselves like they're very it's very easily like just like a like able to be able to be like disseminated and like reproduced on the thought of the shining the family guy does a really good shining really yeah and like Stewie's like riding his tricycle doing like <laughs> thing, and then he, and then the two girls are like saying, "Come play with us, Stewie." And then he's like, "Yes, yes." And then he like blows him up with a bazooka. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Great, great impression. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, that sounds. That's actually really great. good. <laughs> I'm impressed. But yeah, so eighties movies just have a lot of iconic stuff that ends up going into so much of our pop culture, which is really really cool. Um. So yeah, did we want to show, uh, put a few songs on before we talk about the beer garden? Uh, no. Beer garden first. Okay, sure. Um, so, although it's not an 80s movie, I really quickly tried to, like, try to make it relevant. Um, but tonight, woo-woo, um, we have our Jumanji beer garden. It's in the atrium just outside of the station. Um, it actually, um, is happening immediately after CITR's listening party, which is high school theme. So if you want to see embarrassing high school pics of myself and other people on the student exec then come on down um it'll be really fun we listen to music um but immediately after yeah immediately outside yeah to the atrium and watch jumanji with us um it's an all ages event this month mm -hmm. so that's that's a fun thing you can come even if you're under 19 so that's gonna be really cool we're super excited about this because even though we don't have the norm we're like making it work yeah and like we've never done something in the atrium we've never tried and make this we've work. never done any event outside of our theater yeah. so we are very like it's a test run but also like a nice fun getting your foot into the door slash water that is film society so it's gonna be it a out. revolutionary yeah totally um do you imagine it came out in 1995 by the way if anyone wants to know. Good to know. Do we want to talk but a bit about it? But it has the quality Jumanji? of most 80s films. Yeah, it's like pretty 80s-esque, I would say. It's a fantastic film. Jumanji, uh, the reason we chose to do it as our October beer garden is that it's like, it's not a horror movie, but it's, when you think about it, it has some very disturbing things in it. Those CGI monkeys are terrifying. Right? Right? Like, particularly the, like, first scene of that film terrifies me i just remember watching it as a kid and being like i don't want to keep watching this movie i'm really scared like i don't want to be sucked into this game <laughs> which is ironic because i later bought the jumanji board game which doesn't suck you into the forest unfortunately <gasps> right false advertising yeah like i thought that i'd get a pet elephant but <sighs> no you don't get anything out of it you know you know they're, they're doing a remake yeah, no. come on, yeah. 2017. With The Rock, I think. I'm pretty sure, <gasps> I'm pretty sure The Rock is Get out! And I think... <laughs> I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson! I, I might be thinking of something Dwayne else, but I'm pretty Johnson. sure it's Jumanji. Every movie he's, he's ever been in ever has been a freaking golden. So good. I, I love it. I hate Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> uh, no! He makes fun freaking movies, dude. He's a garbage but so funny to watch, like, Jack move Black. on screen. Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Karen oh Gillian. Kevin Hart. Yeah. Nick, Jonas. Nick Jonas. So oh. weeping. Very topical. Four teens in detention who get sucked into the game. <gasps> oh, my god. Where gosh. they take on new avatar forms to locate a jewel. So that sounds upset. terrible. No, it sounds so good. Boo. Are you kidding me? I That's really awesome. Oh, boo. Um, okay, yeah, so that's, like, a fun fact that I didn't know about Jumanji either. Like, coming out in 2017, 
It's going to be great. Everyone should see it. Let's Don't. Help. <laughs> Let's help. Um, and the beer garden, yeah, it's happening today. Listening parties today. We also have more productions workshops coming up. Um, post-production is next week where we're going to be working on editing and stuff. Um, so it's going to be really fun. There's generally very exciting things happening with Film Sock. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do our sign out. Yeah. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Shout, Shout out, out to, to Matthew, Matthew Broderick. Broderick. Woo! <laughs> um, after us is Dave Radio with Radio Dave and Noon Hour Guide to What's Happening in Music and Theater in Vancouver. Um, we're going to be playing To Leave You Behind um, by Plazas and then Holographiti by Blank Banshee. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. And thanks everyone for joining us today as well. That was really fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, thanks.